Hi, I'm Morgan. I'm Odette. And I'm Madeline. And, and we, we love Christian fiction. fiction. We love it so much that we wanted to talk about it on a podcast. Each episode, we will read classics of the genre or new releases. And discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly. So come join us. Hello, everybody. Hello. Hello. podcast. Here we are. Here we are. We're so excited that you joined us yet again for another wonderful deep dive and a fun story. Oh my goodness. I'm actually really, really excited to talk about this book, guys. <laughs> this was such a fun story. It was such a fun okay. story. So some housekeeping. Um, this is a virtual recording, so you may notice a slight difference in um, some of the audio quality. Yeah, but... We are working on editing things this season. So, aka, yes. I'm using a program that I bought on the App Store. So, <laughs> hopefully, <Yes. that's- laughs> it's working though. So, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Here's the, the thing is the, the sound getting to your ears? Yes. So, win win. So, it's working. Can you hear this? <laughs> <laughs> then you're good to go. <laughs> and then, other housekeeping. I think just the only other housekeeping is, you know, as per usual we have small children so yeah we're not gonna end we're doing virtual gotta worry about the kids yeah absolutely we we should just say that as a permanent housekeeping Mm -hmm. there are small children yeah permanent housekeeping but then if someone's if this is the first episode that that someone's listening to they might not know that so i do think it's important to say each time so we say it every time yeah we say it every time but the ogs know Lots of little kiddos. In fact, there's more kids now than there was at the beginning of this podcast. <laughs> there's so many more. more children. <laughs> Two more. There's so there's many more. kids running around. What'd you oh say? My gosh. I said there's so many kids running around. I was talking <laughs> to my mom today and I was like, you know, I think that maybe I changed my mind about this parenting thing. Can I send them back? I think I don't want to do it anymore. She's free like, trial? She's like, LOL. <laughs> no. Wow. You're free trial LOL, no. Months ago, <laughs> there was never a free trial. <laughs> oh, I love it! I love it. I'm sure every parent thinks that at certain. Yes, I'm sure at some point in time, the joys of of a parenthood. One day, I will also feel that way. <laughs> but yeah, you know what? <laughs> it's been a day. So, um, so today we are reading another book in our historical fiction theme, which is very exciting. And- oh. We've been loving, um, at least I have been, loving the, and I know that you two have as well, I'm sure, loving the Mm -hmm. deep dive and the conversation about kind of old-timey customs and just kind of love and God and romance and all those things um, kind of back in the day. Back in the day. Back Back in in the day. day. (laughs) I love it. Love God and romance back in the day. Back in the day. Back in the day. So what book are we talking about today, ladies? Oh my goodness. So we have, this one is fun because this is a, an author from last, that we read last season mm-hmm. that we were like, you know, who was amazing? Mm-hmm. Stephen Bly. We're mm-hmm. going to read him again. <laughs> so this time we are reading, uh, we, or we read the Marquesa mm. by Stephen Bly. And this is from the heroines of the golden West or something series. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Correct. That's exactly. of the Golden West. I think it's book two in this series. Yeah, yeah, that's, that is correct. Uh, so you don't need to, you, you can read it without reading this series. It's a standalone, mm-hmm. but you do meet characters from uh, the other books. Um, 
but it can stand alone. And yeah, I loved it. Again, Stephen Bly showed up in such a way that was surprising Mm -hmm. and delightful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In different ways. Cause this is only the second Stephen Bly book that y'all have read. Right. So yes. yes. Yeah. So I feel like he, and we talked about this a little bit on our um, group text that, that we have that he does so well, a strong female character, strong female lead Mm -hmm. and a strong male lead. And he does them both so well that none of them take away from each other. They just add to each other's lives. And I feel like that's so good. And it also just feels very like inspiring and empowering, I think, to read. Um, Mm -hmm. All his women are really gutsy and all his guys are really like heroic, but then the woman will kind of save the day. You know, it's just great. It's a good time. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm a big, I'm, I'm a Stephen Bly convert for sure. For sure. Because I know that there was some skepticism for those who weren't listeners in season one, when we were doing our, I think it was a Western theme last year. Yes. I grew up reading Stephen Bly. Love, love, loved him. Have all these really great memories of Stephen Bly. And so when we were picking uh, titles for season one and I said, we should read Stephen Bly, I didn't know that both Madeline and Morgan were a little skeptical at reading a male author's story from a woman's perspective like that feels right. like it's gonna be good is it not gonna be good and they were both delightfully surprised at how much they liked Stephen Bly that we brought him back for season two and honestly like his characters became like infamous I mean y'all heard us y'all, y'all have heard the way we talk about the way we gush about Del Norte. Del Norte and that was that was Stephen Bly's character from um the Outlaws Twin Sister that we read last season so yeah Madeline and I have thoughts of him being the most swooniest, one of the most swooniest men from um, <clears throat> that whole um, for the whole season. season. Oh yeah, yeah. others for very yeah for hands sure. Down. For me, hands, hands down. Del Norte. Well, yeah, that, that's basically because you married a Del Norte. <laughs> Thank you very much. Pretty much. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So we so, should have a copy because yes. we're remembering after coming back from our maternity leave where we forgot a couple things two episodes ago. So here we are, <laughs> remembering all the things. <laughs> and Mary, would you like to read the back cover copy? <laughs> um, yes, I would love to. Um, a new role, a new home, a new beginning. Fortune, fame, romance, heartache, revenge. The Marquesa is familiar with the plot. It's just like the dramas Isabel Leon had starred in from San Francisco to New York, but never did she dream it would describe her own life and never in Cantrell, Montana. Yet Cantrell also offers Isabel true friends, a place that she can finally call home and the chance to become a new woman. She is no longer a daring actress, always on the move, but the proprietor of her own soon to be completed hotel. Captain Dawson Mandera has guaranteed to finish construction on Isabel's hotel within six weeks, assuming they can learn to work together. He irritates and frustrates her, but she is intrigued by the past he won't talk about and the family that he will. Between vengeful robberies, surprising shootouts, friends disappearing, folks being murdered, and finding her freedom while in jail, life in Montana is every bit as exciting as the drama she once acted in. But if Isabel is offered the role she always dreamed of, will she be ready to accept it? Love. We will find out. That's what we're gonna. That's what we're gonna talk about. You're about Love. to find out. <laughs> You're about to find out. <laughs> um, yeah I also have a, a a love for when a book or an article or something starts out with like multiple one word sentences just like oh yes 
revenge. I mean, you can't go wrong Murder. with fortune-based romance, heartache, revenge. I love it. We should have most of our lives, I feel like, at certain points. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so let's do some star uh, ratings. Madeline, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Oh, my goodness. Let's do star ratings. Okay. I'm actually like, I'm like, I came up with my rating in my head and I was like, whoa, is that my rating? <laughs> is that really okay, my rating? Do tell. Do tell. <laughs> okay. Well, I gave this four stars. Wow. Four stars. I know. I feel like that's pretty generous for me. I'm kind of a, I'm kind of um, stingy when it comes to star ratings. Um, but I gave this four stars because honestly, um, I really liked this book. I really liked it. There wasn't really anything that I didn't like about it. Um, I loved the, I, well, and one of the, one of my favorite things about um, the other Steve, Stephen Bly novel that we read was just his like the way that he um like that we just hear the women's like thought process like we just we get it on the page and I love that because if you're a woman you know like you, you know like this is this is natural this is normal there's always thoughts running yeah, through my mind absolutely. I never stop thinking about things and I love the way that somehow Stephen Bly like knows that that's happening and he can like articulate that on mm -hmm. the page it, it comes through, which is, you wouldn't think that from a male author, but um, I love that. So I love that we get that from our heroine in this book, um, Isabel Leon. Um, and I love that she was an actress. I love that. I'm an actress. Um, I love uh, Captain Mandara. Uh, I just thought it was a great story. Love, love, love. Four stars. My reading is also four stars. I thought it was delightful. Um I loved it, um, and I, one of the things that I really enjoyed about it, like you mentioned, her thought process, because some of these feel unique to womanhood that like you can understand as a woman that like even back then when the setting was totally different and the vibe was totally different and all the components that led to like the way that women made decisions because of the you know context of the times and what they were facing, is so different than my daily life. Like so, so, so different. Obviously this is a fictionalized story, but the struggles of even things like when she would be like, oh, cause when she, you know, first meets, um, or I guess it's like kind of in the middle of the book when she starts to kind of think that, you know, the captain is, is like attractive. Mm -hmm. And she like kind of gets mad that he's like talking to other women or like thinks that he is. Right. And like, but she's also, she also still thinks he's married. So, so like, there's this component where you're like, you can feel that tension of like, ha like the relatable side of things. So um, yes. that part I really um, enjoyed. And there was definitely co components where you're like, oh, it, it, it feels good. The, the romance, the story was great. Even her own discovery of God, I felt was really good. And well yes. done in the book and felt very authentic. So anyways, yeah. Four stars for me. Um, big fan of Stephen Bly. Also, I feel like I kind of want to go back and read the other two books in this series as well. So um, that's our reading. What about you? Are you also a four star? I I was actually three and a half. Oh, wow. Okay. No, I usually don't go lower than everybody else. I know. Um, I mean, I didn't have any real qualms with it. There were a couple of parts where I was kind of like, 
I don't know. Uh, it didn't move slow. I can't even really explain why. I was just like, mm, it just didn't quite hit the mark for me um, on like a couple of elements of the story. But overall, it was a solid read. I would recommend it. I would read more in the series. So three and a half. Nice. Well, great. Awesome. All right. Well, speaking of reviews, let's move on to our, uh, the start of our fun little segments. All right, Mads, what do you got for us today? Okay, this is hilarious because on Goodreads, there's literally three reviews for this book. And then, like, on Amazon, there's literally four reviews of this book. <laughs> like, that's it. That's it. <laughs> there's seven <One> reviews. <laughs> like, that's so funny to me. But there are some hilarious ones. So I'm going to, or not maybe hilarious, but I thought they were, they were kind of funny. It could be Madeline because it was written in 1998, so... Yeah. 1998. Okay, there you go. So this is this is an oldie. This but is a like goodie. free free Goodreads probably. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yeah. seek it out. Okay. Um. Here's a fun one. This this person, this person's name is Laverne. Okay. Love. Um. And they gave the book four stars. And their subject line. Okay. Is the same as their review. So they were confused about how, how good reads they were. They wrote a subject line and then they repeated the subject line in the review text box. This <laughs> 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 line reads Author does well incorporating historical data of the Old West, dot, 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 because they won't let you go any more than that. Review says author does well incorporating <laughs> historical data of the old west theme into his writing. <laughs> there it goes. There I just thought that was that was really I feel endeared to Laverne. Yes. Have you ever about the purpose of the subject line? Oh, absolutely. Have you ever worked with someone who didn't understand emails and so they would send emails like and they would literally start the subject line with like the top of the email and then use the body of the email for the rest of it or vice versa or something and you'd be mm -hmm. like do you want what's happening no. <laughs> you'd be like oh boy sometimes it's endearing but at work it's usually annoying <laughs> right right i feel like laverne is it's endearing though <laughs> i yeah i'm endeared to laverne he's yeah. he's flushy i don't know is cute okay here's a three and a half star review from meg she said three and a half stars I liked the first book better. I really loved the story, but found the Marquesa rambled on and on too much. <laughs> I wow. am offended by that, Meg. Personally offended. How dare you? Because I felt uh, that Stephen Bly's depiction of the Marquesa's just inner thought life was, uh, it validated my own. So how dare you? <laughs> how dare you? How dare you? Second of all, you are entitled to your own opinion. So thank you <laughs> for sharing it with us. Um, and then lastly, a five-star review from MJ. MJ Potter, excuse me, MJ Potter. <laughs> MJ Potter said, what a feisty Western adventure. Adventure. The Marquesa will keep you guessing what her next move will be. By the time I was near the end, I wanted more. Highly recommend. <laughs> I would agree. I like the word use of feisty. In, I know. Um, what a feisty Western adventure. It is very feisty. That's <laughs> a good description. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that was so fun. Wow. Well, I think we're at the point where we can uh, 
take a trip back in time for this. Yeah. I feel like I should have made a sound effect for a, a time travel machine. But yeah. what we are going to do is. Let's dive in. We're going to dive in. We are diving in, people. You're diving in to this wonderful story. Okay. So let's kick this bad boy off. It's the 1890s. Yep. Montana. And it's Montana, outside of Billings. It's a boom town. We're in a gold Cantrell. That's right. The The name of the town is Cantrell, Montana. It's a boom town. It's a mining town. So it like sprung up overnight. It grows super rapidly, really quickly all the time. We meet the Marquesa. Mm -hmm. She's called the Marquesa. Her name is Isabel Leon. She's Mm -hmm. called the Marquesa because that's like her stage name. She's Mm -hmm. an actress and she's a pretty well-known actress actress in the East because she did Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff in New York and um, like up the coast just in the U.S. But a series of of events that are never like really clarified leads Mm -hmm. her out west mm-hmm. um and when we meet her she's sitting in a mercantile general store kind of shop mm-hmm. which she is helping to run with a 15 year old boy named july mm-hmm. which yep. honestly i like that name i know it's i, know. I like yeah. the name why yeah i did too that yeah. one was like oh interesting i like it <laughs> yeah yeah well, and it like suits his personality because she is like yes. basically in a loft on top of that's where she kind of lives this loft on top of the mercantile um yeah. so because her friends who, who who own it caroline and ranhan um are out east having their first baby and they're the the, the main characters in the first book yeah. so yes. she's kind of helping oversee the mercantile with july while they're gone yeah so she's overseeing the business side of things mm-hmm. um and basically she's sitting there in Mm -hmm. comes this random guy swoops in and he's basically like hey i want to talk to the person who owns that hotel across the street and there's like a hotel that's like in process of being built but does not have a lot completed so far and she's like oh i'm the owner of the hotel and he goes Mm -mm. really are you really are you ma'am weak and feeble woman Mm -hmm. um that's shakespeare but anyways (laughs) Um, yeah no that's elizabeth first not shakespeare sorry well i got confused (laughs) that's elizabeth the first um anyways this is a sample of the thought process that madeline experiences so you can find it relatable to marquesa because she spends the first part basically analyzing him and she's like immediately like wow he has to be military and she's like oh look at him and then he just like the way he responds to her she just like because he automatically writes her off and she's just like not about well, it. Yeah, because he's like no I really need to talk to the owners of this hotel and she's like no I'm telling you really I'm the owner of that hotel and he's like you're the you're telling me you're the sole owner of this hotel and she's like well you I make own, all the decisions and she's I like, own it with these two other men and he's like uh, can I talk to them yeah and she's like no they're not here he goes I'll wait till they get back like it <laughs> like oh seriously like he gives the wrong impression about himself for sure he they yeah. get off on the wrong foot completely yeah um, it kind of reminded me of, so do y'all remember when we were in our um, uh, thriller suspense theme at the beginning of the season here and we met, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on their names, but it was in Buried Secrets mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. the, Austin, yeah. is, is Austin? No. 
I don't remember. Anyway, the male character comes on the scene, and because the female character, who is the the like captain or lead detective or whatever, yeah, whatever, he automatically assumes the man is the one in charge, and it like sets the like it kind of reminded me of that, but in a different way. And it's also like we immediately know that there's going to be dramatic tension, and they're they're gonna you know that this is going to be their love story. You know immediately, immediately one hundred one hundred p. Um, anyways, uh, so basically, ba- that that's kind of a funny interaction where basically he like stands his ground and they could base because basically he's like, well, you know what, I could build that for you, and she's like, um, I don't need your help, thanks. To little comment, and <laughs> so he's like, oh, fine, I'll leave. So he leaves, and then in comes this guy, this drunk guy. I can't even remember, like, a customer of the store who, like... Yeah, was, he's a customer, and he yeah. starts fighting with July at the counter. So she overhears this, and basically it's, like, the guy's, like, basically arguing over the fact that, like, he gave July more money, and July's cheaping him on, on supplies, and, like, the whole store, like, shifts backwards. Because it, it's but the kind of like store drunk. That, yeah, he's very, very drunk. And mm-hmm. so... He pulls out a gun. Yeah. Right? And, mm-hmm. No, he has a knife. Yeah. So um July's like seeing his ground and uh <laughs> the Marquesa she goes up <laughs> um there's like a uh some kind of shotgun she like gets it and she like is on the stairs and she points it at the guy and he's like yeah. I ain't never been run out by no kid and woman or whatever and so there's this like old dramatic scene to show down and she's like hey man like you know we're just asking you to leave like take your supplies that you actually gave us money for and then, of course, who comes back into the store? <laughs> this guy that we just met, which, by the way, we never said his name. His name is Captain Dawson Mandera. Yes. Mandera. So Captain Mandera comes in and basically, like, you know, she, her, holds his wrist. He drops the knife. And then he, like, basically kind of, because uh, I think he co- he knocks him out. And so then he, like, just ties him to the fence post outside. And then is like, yeah. here's the supplies that he actually paid for. So then. And, Mar- and then the Marquesa's, like. I had it covered. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, she's like, excuse me, who are you? Um, it was great. It's, honestly, the first scene is great because it sets up this like kind of hilarious um, repartee between yes. um, the captain and the Marquesa. Yes, Absolutely. Sure. And the, the one thing I'll note is basically then they decide it's worth a meeting at the cafe. Um, to like, cause yeah. like, okay, let's, he's like, okay, let's talk about what you can do about this hotel thing. Yeah, because he's like, I can't, because he's basically like, no one else is going to be able to do this for you. And she's like, so <laughs> they go to the cafe. He's like, he's like, he's like okay, but you're not wrong about that because there's not enough. Everyone's everyone's mining. There's nobody in yeah. town working to do yeah. anything. And everyone thinks that they're going to get rich. So everyone comes in, gets yeah. supplies and leaves and goes in the hills. And then if they come back, they like try to spend their money there. So there's this, so then it goes this delightful scene. And this is all in, in the first chapter, mind you was this delightful scene in the cafe where she obviously knows people in the, in the cafe because it's a very small town. She lives there. And so she goes to the cafe oh my gosh, I love and she scene. sits down and he's like, oh, I already ordered for you. And she's like, excuse me, what? And he goes, I already ordered for you. And it's like corned beef and cabin or something. And she's like, well, how did you know that that's the one? He's like, well, Molly May, who is, P.S. the like sweetheart of July. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what you always order. So I just ordered it for you. And she's like, no, no. So she calls Molly over and is basically like, Molly, this is, I want to place my own order. And Molly's like, okay, but like our special night is this. <laughs> She's basically like, okay, well then fine. I want that, but not the one he ordered me. I want my own. Yeah, I I ordered it. It. 
And Molly's like, and literally, <laughs> she just, it talks about Molly's eye roll, and I could just like see it in my mind. <laughs> for the Marquesa, it's a principle thing of like, no, no, I Absolutely. don't need know. And yeah. you definitely get this idea, like, again, we don't get all of her history in this novel, but you definitely get this idea of like, she's worked hard as an actress. Mm-hmm. You would have to work a lot harder as an actress in this time to like have a reputation that's not like connected to anything unsavory. Yeah. And so you kind of get this idea that she has worked very hard to maintain mm-hmm. a, like a reputation for herself yeah. as like a woman who is not like a dance hall actress. Like she's mm-hmm. like a professional and yeah. serious and accomplished. Yeah. Um, and so you get the idea that she's worked very hard to maintain that. And um, so little things like that just really burn her biscuits. They just <laughs> really, they get to her because she's like, are you saying that I'm not capable of this? Are you saying that I'm predictable? Yeah. How dare you? I will order my own food. Thanks. I can do this yeah. myself. Yeah, absolutely. I know it is. It is delightful. Like what it's, is hilarious. Hilarious. <laughs> um, it's like page 22 to page 24. Um, fun. So then um, right from that, then they go into looking at their hotel plans. And basically yes. he also like wants to kibosh um, her veranda. So she wants a wraparound porch veranda on, on the top floor. And he's like, doesn't make sense. Why are you going to do that? And she's like, no, That's, it's really space. That's not going to work. She's like, no, this is what I want. Um, so but then- basically he like, he basically, she's able to communicate like, this is why I want this. And then he, he kind of concedes. He's like, oh, you know what? Like, that's a good idea. Like, I didn't see this all the way through. Like, yes. you're right. Like, I'll, I'll build the plans yes. as, as your specs to yes. your specs. And so they decide like, he's going to build for them. He like randomly finds these three guys. He's going to pay them like a really great wage. So he's very quickly finds these guys will help him build. Um, and then part of it too. So there's one important note here that we have to point out. So he says, well, you don't have enough doors and windows. So I need to go to Billings and buy them. And she, he's, he's like, you need to come with me. And she's like, no, I can't go to Billings. And he's like, why? And she goes, because um, well, she, I can't go to the sheriff. And he's like, why is that? <laughs> she's like for attempted murder. And then of course she goes, you know, uh, murder who'd you try to kill the previous builder so there's this like delightful back and forth you know but anyways but in all seriousness you can't go back to billings or she will be arrested yeah um for attempted murder of an ex-boyfriend um she's i mean she's definitely not a christian at the beginning of the book (laughs) she's not a christian and she's had some pretty tough things happen to her including trying to murder her ex-boyfriend yeah. that's tough Absolutely. that's a tough situation to be in <laughs> and also like billings is the closest town to the fact that she can't even ever go to the closest town to to kind of you know um <laughs> uh even just buy supplies or do anything so um one important note before we kind of end this kind of first part of the the book here for this literally th- th- this is all in chapter one so it is a very deep and and rich chapter but um basically that night she's up in her room, she's in her, her nightgown and robe, and she literally hears a knock on the door, and it's the captain. And he's basically like, hey, listen, I'm looking at the plans, and how would you feel about if I built you a stage in the ballroom? And so he basically, like, you immediately know that he gets her. Like, even though there was this weird, like, he totally gets her. Um, he, she was able to communicate clearly. <laughs> yes. And even is like, close your eyes and picture, like, uh, a small stage where... <laughs> You know, a beautiful black haired 
performer is singing. So he's like very like like she's like, what are you talking about? Because you like hear her her in her dialogue. Um, oh right, yeah. Which <laughs> so yeah, so brings you on. She's just thinking, Meg, whatever whatever your name was. Anyways, <laughs> I, but then there's also this this aspect of her like, wait a second, are you? are you coming on to me right now? <laughs> Wait, yes. aren't you married? Yeah. So she's a little bit confused about that. Yeah, but she's also like... We all are. Not- Actually, yeah. we're the reader. We're not confused. It seems pretty obvious what's happening. But we are confused like, hmm, he did say his wife's name was Claire. So that's interesting. And he re- refers to her as like, like at one point in chapter one, he talks about how um, the <laughs> only woman who like he could actually get along with is his wife, Claire, is how he says it. And she's like, yeah. you know, so... Okay good to know he's married (laughs) yeah and she's like all right well this is actually easier you know um so all right so the next big thing that kind of happens here um is that we run into her old friend logan so logan (laughs) they so they were like really good friends they worked together he's an actor as well performer so they had worked together in several performances known each other for many years had like she said what was it like 11 days they were a thing for like 11 days or something like that it it was a short time yeah literally almost killed each other (laughs) and then they were like so we shouldn't be together but then they just stayed being friends um so he like rolls into town i can't remember why he's there he's just coming through because he's on his way i think to like do something but it's funny because he she asked him how sally is and you're like oh is sally's wife or something literally sally is part of his act she's a partially trained bear that he would do (laughs) that was that was hilarious yes and of course Um, talking to logan the captain sees her and is like and she's like hi like and so there's this like thing where he's like what who is this guy and of course logan's like who's this guy you know and it's this (laughs) And Marquez is like, wait, why do you care? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. exactly. Man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so then that oh. afternoon, um, she the because she basically decides she's gonna go to dinner with Logan that night and like catch up. And so, but meantime, the captain says, Hey, what are you doing before sunset? I want to show you what the hotel looks like um in the sunset. So and she's like, and he has like a carriage. And he has like a lap blanket and like all these things. And you're just like this guy. And he's basically like, I was hoping you would come. Is basically the gist of it. And the whole time in her mind, she's like, he. It, it feels like he's coming on to me, but he's married. So I'm sure that he's not. And he's like, and she just keeps saying, she just keeps saying, which it's hilarious. Cause I'm like, I've literally had this thought process before. Like where you're like convincing yourself of something. Yes. And she's literally just like, oh, he's just my builder. He's my builder. He's my builder. <laughs> He just keeps saying it over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> he wants to show me the plants. He oh, needs yeah. me to see this. He's my builder. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, you guys have to go out and look at the sunset together with a lap blanket. I don't think so, Marquesa. No. Well, and then at one point, he's like, come over. When they're like up on the ridge looking over the town, he like, oh, wait, hold on. I'm going to go get the blanket for you. And she's like, I don't need it. He's like, no, I insist. It's like very like, <laughs> this guy is just like taking care of her. Oh, it's so yeah um well and also part of the reason why i think she's convincing herself of that is because early on in the relationship he basically says just so you know i'm, I'm a christian man like early on in their builder kind of um uh, her builder. Being, uh, yes builder um he, he owner relationship her, yeah he, he basically said, i'm a christian man so i'm not going to build a brothel for oh yeah he's like 
And she's like, and she goes, and then he says, but he doesn't look like plans for a saloon. So basically ask her, is she planning on running a brothel out of this? And she's like, literally, no, it's a hotel. Um, But like, so, so because she knows that that's his perspective of the world, I think she's like even more convincing herself. Like it's an innocent like thing that they're going on this sunset, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So then she goes dinner with, with Logan. They just talk, but she sees the captain sitting there watching them the whole time, which I thought was hilarious. And later on, he literally says the amount of time to the minute. It was like yes. two hours. They said talking. <laughs> he was timing them. <laughs> which she I mean, that's, honestly, not a... that's very military. Like he's Dead so giveaway. <laughs> but her response also, to the fact that he's in the middle, he's former military, because she goes, Well, you know, very precise military. <laughs> She's just like brushes it off, like, oh yeah, oh that makes God. sense. He's military. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, Marquesa. No. So then I can't is there anything that happens before the shootout with Logan? Um, I think that's the next big thing, right? Oh, yeah. um, oh there is the uh, I don't know that we need to talk about that, but there's the instance where the the Buffalo um what are they called? Skinners are in the store and her and the captain like work together and like like basically save yeah. the ship, lock the store and the two of them kind of do this bit and like basically I think it's like, just it's yeah just, yeah go so they're they're they just kind of both step into these roles and like make the um thieves the would-be thieves in in inside like basically surrender and she like takes a a carbine and puts it in the guy's mouth that you know like it's just oh, this yeah. <laughs> I think part- it's just like an, another one of those scenes that is just um, delightful because you get a uh, like a rounder perspective of the Marquesa yeah. and just like how much of a baddie she is. Oh, totally. Like she's she literally like- is standing there. She's literally standing there like holding a, the, the barrel end of a carbine in some guy's mouth. Yeah. And this guy's like, like drooling out the side of his mouth like, gonna about to wet his pants like please don't kill me and she's like talking to the captain like should i take this out now (laughs) and he's like please take it out (laughs) and then she says something to me it's one of those scenes where you're like wow she's such a baddie (laughs) and then at one point the captain's response she says should should i shoot him he's like well not in the store because you'll be cleaning that up for months so it's just and then at the end he he gives her a hug and she's like, wait, what? And he's like, sorry, I just, I haven't had this much fun in years. And so then she's like even more confused. And she's like, well, now I don't know what's happening, but he's, he's just my builder. He was just congratulating me. He's he's my builder. He's just, his, his wife and children, oh, they live somewhere else. And mm-hmm. he's like building a house for them in Cantrell. Yes. That's going to so be she's his also, Yeah. He's also, I, she's also rationalizing it sometimes. She sometimes is rationalizing it like, oh, he's probably just like, it's been so long since like his family's hugged him or his wife's hugged him like he's probably just you know he's my yeah. builder yeah. <laughs> he's my builder. and also the fact that like we didn't talk about this that he literally said that all he wants payment for is the um wood so he can build his family a house so he's like so he's already told that he's moving there so she's like okay like you know i'm gonna meet your wife like you know it's, it's gonna be fine exactly. so the next thing that is that it's like early in the morning the next day and uh the marquesa notices that july didn't actually start start the coffee oh he that's right and he's not going to open the store and it turns I feel out like this is kind of this is kind of a scene that's just is just um 
prepping us for book three. Yeah. Because we, well, we it also sets up the other female character who. Well, that's what I'm saying, but she's in book three. She's in book three. Miss Fontenot. Marquesa is convinced that the captain likes her. Oh, Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, so that's why. So, anyways, basically, Molly May's dad comes and is like, Where is July? Because he can't find Molly May. She took her Sunday dress. Exactly. And he's like, But. Oh, go ahead. But Marque- Marquesa like is like, all right, we'll go with I'll go with you. We'll find him. We'll figure oh, out what happened. Basically, what happened was they had this harebrained idea that they were gonna get this lady, this new lady in town, whose name is Miss Fontenot, and her her book is book three. So we're meeting Miss Fontenot. Um, she's a photographer. They're like, oh, she's gonna go. She's gonna take our pictures. So we're gonna wear our Sunday best clothes so that my parents think that I ran away with my boyfriend in my best dress. And we're gonna get our picture taken at sunrise on this hillside. But then Miss Fontenot like injures herself. And then like July's like trying to take her to Billings to the or trying to get a doctor because there's only a doctor in Billings. And Molly May, whatever his name is, is like, ah, we were trying to get a picture for you, Daddy, but I didn't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. But it sets up this idea of like, oh, Miss Fontenot's in book three, but then <clears throat> what's his face, Captain Mandera is like, oh, I'll drive you into Billings. I have to do yeah. something in Billings. I'll drive you into Billings because there's no doctor in Cantrell. So he ends up driving Mrs. Fontenot, Ms. Fontenot into Billings. And the Marquesa is a little bit <laughs> jealous question mark question mark he's very and jealous like, there's a little jealous? bit her internal dialogue is i'm sorry isabel why are you jealous this man is literally married yes, <laughs> <laughs> well and and also too i want to say one thing is that the captain comes to the store when mr quincy's there like yelling and um basically she, he has a daughter named nelly that is the same age as molly may so She's like, the last thing I'm going to do is, is let these two fathers on the warpath for July, who most likely did nothing, and he's innocent. Like, he, I know him. She's yes. like, hold on, I'm a coming. And they're like, we're going to pull around the wagon. You better be ready, or we're just going to go without you. So she literally, in the book, describes putting in an earring in the Jocelyn wagon, <laughs> yeah. which I've had trouble this putting earrings so in a car before. So, like, the idea of, like, the wagon. Yeah. Like, the wagon. Right. Seriously. <laughs> Amazing. The fact that she felt it necessary to even put on earrings for this errand was Here's funny. To me. I would absolutely do that. Absolutely, hands down. <laughs> You're just gonna go rescue someone. You have to have earrings for that. Yeah. She's the Marquesa. I never know who I'm gonna meet. That's her personality. That's fair. That's fair. Um. Anyways, so the next big thing that happens is, um, we meet this guy. What's that guy's name? Um, Pigeon. Cigar Du Bois. <laughs> so Dubois. Cigar Dubois. Cigar Dubois. Kitchen. Honestly, that was a good guess. Because Cigar Dubois is a good name. That's how it's spelled. <laughs> yes. Cigar Du Bois. <laughs> that might have been how he pronounced it too. That might have been. I listened to the audiobook and she pronounced it Dubois. The the reader. Anyways, so we meet Cigar Dubois, <laughs> who is one of Jacob Hardesty's cronies, right? Uh-huh. Jacob Hardesty is the is Marquesa's ex boyfriend. Yes. Um. So she tried to murder in Billings. Yes. Right. So he comes to town. She has a little run in with him. Blah blah blah. He doesn't recognize her. But then he ends up getting into like he's playing a poker game like in the late in the early early hours of the morning with Logan, um, Marquesa's friend, and Logan wins and this guy loses and they're drunk and this guy shoots him like critically shoots him. <laughs> um. And Marquesa finds him. 
And of course, there's no doctor in Cantrell. So she's like, I'm taking you to Billings. And he's like, you can't go back to Billings. And she's like, you're going to die. <laughs> so they get into a wagon and they're driving back to Billings. And mm-hmm. I love this scene. But July. Mm-hmm. July, too. It's the three of With them going. July's there? Oh, mm-hmm. um, I didn't know that. I forgot about that. Um, July's the one who is like, Marquez, I know you can't go. Because she was, she was kind of known that she could nurse a few things here and there from her experience in life. And so July's the one who's like, no, if you go back to Billings, you're going to get arrested. And she's like, no, listen, he's going to die. Like, I can't take care of him. Like, we have to go. And it's like a long ride. Like, it's like hours. Like, they, like, they, they drove all night to get there. Like, through Mm -hmm. the night to get there. So they, but they have this, she has this, like, moment where she decides that she's going to call on Jesus and Mm -hmm. ask and pray to him and she has this like thing that happens to her in the wagon as she's praying for logan she's praying for him in this very kind of like unselfish way like she's not even really praying for him to be like okay she's praying for him to be like go to heaven (laughs) she's like jesus like forgive his sins like i forgive his sins and then Mm -hmm. she has this moment she's like while you're at it Forgive, forgive mine. my sins. Forgive my sins. <laughs> like, yeah. I have a lot of sins to be forgiven. So, like, that was her first, like, she took a huge step and recognized God and recognized her need um, for his forgiveness and asked for it. <clears throat> so that was well, huge. Then, oh, sorry. I was going to say, too, yeah. I think that part of that is Logan's in and out of consciousness. And, yeah. like, she because they, they've, like, known each other for so long, he always promised her that he wouldn't die because she said, please, because he was a, 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 a reckless guy in a lot of ways. I mean, he had a bear as a side, you know, kick. So <laughs> um, his, his um, uh, performer's aid or whatever. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, the, the other side of his two act performance, you know, right. um, so she, he's in and out of consciousness. So I think it's really a moment where she feels like this need of like, I can't do anything. It's out of my control. Yeah, like, okay. Yeah. God. Hey, listen, I don't even know if you're real or not, because throughout the book, she's reading the Bible. She's talking to July. She's trying to like figure out because she sees and Carolina God. is a big influence on her. Mm-hmm. too. Yeah. And so I think she sees God's hand in so many ways. But in this moment, she's like, I don't know what else to do. Like, I'm literally driving in the desert in the in the night, which like imagine it being it's pitch black. Like, you you know, you can't see yeah. anything. Yeah. No. Good grief. Yeah. So um, then they arrive in Billings and it's the morning. And she tries to find the doctor and they're like, well, the doctor isn't in yet. It's not, it, it's too early. So he basically goes. So she goes to um, the cafe. And Where he's supposed to be having breakfast. Yes, he's in the cafe. Jacob. Jacob Hardesty. Jacob Hardesty. And he basically starts screaming like this woman tried to murder me and da, 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 da. And then it comes out basically that part of the reason why she tried to murder him is because a decision he made that she could never have children when they were together. So um, is why she's like, fit to be tied about him and so anyways so then like the sheriff gets called and basically she gets arrested but she's like screaming that the doctor needs to see logan they go to the wagon logan has passed so very very sad and she actually is arrested and she's trying to be like look i only came because and they're like don't matter you're here so then the sheriff sheriff is a big booty hole and he's just like he's like how do i know that you didn't shoot this guy and she's like First of all, why would I be bringing him here, begging for yeah. someone to see a doctor if I shoot him? <laughs> like, you idiot. <laughs> running the opposite direction. Anyways, so she ends up in this jail cell, and she's, like, appalled by this jail cell. It's, like, it's like lice and roach infected. It's yeah. disgusting. Ooh. Disgusting. 
So this 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 sheriff is like not giving her the time of day, basically refuses to say anything. And finally, she's like, you know what? Captain Mandera, Captain Mandera is still here. He he was taking Miss Fontenot into Billings. He's probably still here. Go find him. Go find him. He can vouch my reputation. He's my builder. He's my builder. So so one important note is she she thinks he went back to pick up Miss Fontenot after she got better. But it's been a couple of days since that, or a couple or a week maybe. So she okay. thinks that, that he's there to pick up her. To drive her back. Yes. And because yeah. that that's what July told her, because he told her that he saw the captain and Miss Fontenot when they when he was driving her to Billings, laughing in the wagon. And she's like, What? Laughing in the wagon? And so like oh, she's wagon. like, she goes, you know what? Just like get him. So basically then he shows up and is fit to be tied at the status of the jail and the fact that she's even in jail and, and so he's like you know what i can fix this hey you look cold get one of those blankets on you and he's she's like i can't they're infested with lice he goes here i would rather freeze my back gives her yeah gives her his coat he's like i'll be right back um, she's like, puts her hands in the pockets. There's like a letter in there. <laughs> she like goes back and forth. She's like, I shouldn't read this. I'm not going to read this. That, that's horrible. I'm not going to read this. Maybe I should read this. <laughs> like, it's hilarious. It's literally the most, that's my, I do stuff like that all the time. Like that's Absolutely. so beautiful. It's even more. Well, and the other thing is, so she finds out that kind of around the same time, she, she, she found out that the captain sold all of his lumber. And she's like, I don't know what happened. And he literally is buying the pre-made house. And so she yeah. finds the pre-made house brochure. And yeah, then, yeah. yeah. And meanwhile, she's like also this whole time in jail, really like wrestling with this idea of God. Because she's like, oh, I, yes. and so it's this, so it's this moment where she's trying to kind of find out who God is. And it's really like, I know they said that in the, in the back of the book, her finding freedom while in jail. So she's come to terms with kind of who God is and who he can be to her while in the jail. But she reads a letter and it's from one of Captain Mandera's uh, daughter. And basically she's like, in, in the letter, she, she says some really sweet things. And then she says something like, tell the Mar Marquesa that you say hi or something like that. So, or that, excuse me. Wow, that was really aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> don't you dare make a note for us to edit that morgan such is life i'm dead you guys i'm dead just <laughs> burped that scared me honestly <laughs> i wish you could have seen her face because she like covers her mouth and then her eyes get really big like she goes whoa that was a crack <laughs> <laughs> oh that was hilarious Anyways. okay yeah so but she's basically like wait a second why is the captain telling his kids about me what Much more like, yeah. also i do before we go we got to keep going but before we yeah. move on i do just want to say like she definitely has an encounter like with the holy spirit while she's in the mm -hmm. jail cell yes. and she like has like a full conversion experience when she's in the jail cell and it's really cool mm -hmm. okay okay anyways people come to get her out some some yeah. ladies from the town they're like we're the mayor's wife she's like no this I'm is unfair for a lady she's coming with us we'll keep her in custody they release her whatever she gets back to she drives back to Cantrell with what's the face captain <laughs> <laughs> what's the next big thing that happens 
Um, she is then he 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 invites her to come to dinner at um, the uh, hotel, and yes. it's like this dinner because he said he wants to discuss things for the hotel plan. So she decides, you know what? I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna wear my actor my favorite actress dress, and I'm gonna have my my hair down. It's gonna be a whole thing. While she's doing that, someone comes and is like, "Guess what? Um, there's an issue with a bank deposit. Can you please come over and check it?" Meanwhile. Um, Jacob Hardesty is holding cronies, up, are holding up the bank. Yeah. Are, are holding up the bank. So then she gets involved in this bank robbery, and she basically like because she, she has a gun in her purse, so she kind of holds her own. But then she's the one who oh, fires. Yeah. She's one of the guys in like the chin or something like that. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then she, and then of course because you know it's a small town, the gunshot comes off, and who comes yeah. but July and <clears throat> um, you know Captain the captain. Madera. Yeah, exactly. And he's like, oh, are we still good for dinner? And she's like, excuse me. Like, I literally <laughs> just stopped a bank robbery. And he's like, uh, like, I know. Like, I get it. I think you, I think you need to relax. Like, we're not going to yeah. go out somewhere. Like, listen, go change your clothes. And he, and she's like, what? Change my dress? You don't like my dress? He's like, I love your dress. Actually, I think you look beautiful in your dress, but there's some blood on your dress. You might want to go. Cool. I heard and you soak it in cold water. The stain will come out. <laughs> She's like, oh, oh, thank you. Wait, wait. She's like, he then, liked how I looked in my dress. Exactly. She's like, oh man, he like, well, but he told her like he. I don't think he used the word beautiful. I think he said nice, which mm-hmm. that checks out. Um, you look nice. That checks out. One hundred percent. How do I look, babe? You look nice. Thank you for that. Mine will say, oh, you always look nice. Like that's, thanks. Again. Thanks for that adjective that I've heard a million times. I appreciate you so much. I do, really. Anyways. <laughs> Keep going. So basically, he had planned this whole thing. And he's, like, set up this, like, makeshift table inside of the unfinished hotel. And had, like, a private dinner catered. Like, with lobster. From outside somewhere. Like, July and Minnie Mae. Minnie Mae. That's from Molly Mae. Molly Mae <laughs> are serving them. And... Basically, they have this whole long discussion. They're in there for three hours talking. And at the towards the very end, he's like, oh, I have some I have some personal things that I want to talk to you about. But I'm just I'm not sure whether to broach them or not or whatever. She's like, so they don't. Yeah, but then they don't. Like, he, never, no. he never says anything personal. Because he gets interrupted by Molly coming in and yelling oh, that, that's right, that's right. that July is like going after Cigar Du Bois. What is it? <laughs> cigar Du Bois? I just keep saying like the boys, like the boys, the boys. <laughs> That's why I keep thinking that word. <laughs> du Bois. I think it's Du Bois. Anyways, so his parents, parents were killed yes. by Cigar years ago. Yeah. And so July realizes that that he's there. And then he's like, oh my God. So he like chases after him. So then the captain goes mm-hmm. after him. So then the so next then, days, but then they're gone for like two, three days. Yes. So the Marquesa and Molly May are basically camped out at the Marquesa's house because Molly May's like, Can I sleep here? And they're like just both talking about yeah. their men. Whatever. But Marquesa's like, he's not my man. And Molly May's like, Oh, yeah. Wait, what? I thought you loved him. <laughs> they have some interesting interactions, and Marquesa's like confused because Molly May's like oh pre- like acting as though they're a thing yes. and yes. captain um mandara yes so then right before they get back so it's a couple a couple days to go by 
And right before they get back, it's like the evening before and Molly Mae's at her house again. And basically she, oh, before that though, before that. So they're outside and this Colonel and general come into town and they're looking for the captain. And so basically they're talking about Kesa and the the one guy's really into her. And she's like not in him. So she's like, I'll go to dinner with the other guy. And basically gets the skinny on the captain. And that's when she finds out that his wife has died. Yes. That's yes. Right. That so, is when she finds out. Yeah, so, so, she finds yeah. out. so then the next night. So then she's night. talking to Molly May. She's like, hey, did you, by no. the way, did you know that the captain was a widower? And she's like, yeah, everybody knows everybody that. Everybody does. Was like, oh, like, I didn't know it. Like, everybody knows that. I don't yeah. know that. <laughs> He was like, everybody knows. And he talks about how he's smitten with you. She's like, and then the, the nice dinner that he, he did. And Dara tell, tell you that he was smitten with me? And Molly May's like, yeah, he did. She's like, I'm sorry, what's happening? She's like, everybody in town knows. And he, she's like, what? And then she said that Molly May tells her that, that the whole fancy dinner that was like catered. It, w- it was basically, he was going to tell her basically that yes. he was with her and he's going to ask her that she, would, would she like consider marrying him because, and like moving into the house when his kids come and cause he has four kids and Marquez is like, Oh my God, seriously. And she's like, and I'm like, I feel so terrible. She's like, well, I mean, at least I know now. <laughs> like, don't feel bad. <laughs> so then they show up, they have this thing. Marquez is like, Marquez is like, um, <laughs> you're, so you're a widower and you like me? Feel like these are things we should have talked about already. Dang and then Stephen Blythe's like, Marquesa was mad at Captain Mandera for all of three hours. <laughs> and then, like, said, I, don't know. I have to just read this. I know we're almost at the end of the summary time, but I have to read this. So, okay. <clears throat> um, this is what it said. We've been walking the floors for two days, worried sick that you might be shot dead by murders. And the first thing you do is come home and complain about what I'm wearing. Molly started to cry. She spun around and retreated to the Marquesa's room because she was put there. They were putting on makeup together. Um, and um, the Marquesa and Molly. So that's what July's reacting to. And then I don't suppose that we could find a warm meal, could we? The captain asked. A meal? That's all you have to say? The Marquesa barked. What I want to know is why didn't you tell me that you were a widower and were spitting with, with me? Don't you think that's something that I need to know? She left July and the captain mouse <laughs> open to rush a few <laughs> to her room a few steps behind Miss Molly May Quincy. <laughs> yeah, truly. Um, can't blame her at all. So right. let's just, I'm just going to f- rapid fire through this last yeah. little section. <clears throat> yeah. Basically what happens is they kiss and make up. Literally. I like you. I like you too. Will you be the mother of my children? Yes, I will. <clears throat> Essentially is what happens, but they're going to wait to get married until the kids can officially move to Cantrell into the new home that he's building. It's not quite finished yet. There's this big like final showdown because Jacob Hardesty comes back into the town. You find mm-hmm. out he owns the bank, question mark, question mark. Okay. He owns the bank. And um, maybe you found that on the first book. I didn't know. Um, there's this showdown between uh, the outlaws come back and they're kind of holding Jacob Hardesty in the bank. And there's like Captain Mandera is trying to get these outlaws out. They're like, oh, if you if you let us go quietly, like if you let us go, we'll let Jacob Hardesty go. And Captain Mandera's like, nobody cares about Jacob Hardesty. Like, we don't care what happens to him. You can shoot him. You can shoot him. We're gonna shoot you. Whatever. So they get out, Jacob Hardesty relinquishes control of the bank. It's purchased by the guys who are running it, who are really great guys. Um, and it all ends well. 
the last little section is the captain and the Marquesa waiting at the train depot because his kids are about to come in. And then Caroline and Ranahan get off the train first. And they're like, they're like reunited. And um, the Marquesa's like kissing the captain when they get off the train. And <laughs> Caroline's like, I hope this is your captain. <laughs> and then like the kids get off the train and it's like this sweet, cute interactions. And it's lovely. Yes. And also it's the inner dialogue continues, you know, and she's basically like, I don't think they're going to like me. And then it's just like instant connection between her and the kids. And it is delightful. And you're smiling at the end for sure. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great ending. <clears throat> and that was our trip back to the old West. Yay. Delightful, delightful. I thought it was fun. It was so fun. Reunited with Stephen Bly. Reunited and it feels so good. <laughs> Morgan's Recommended Reads. Our newest section. Okay, this is me. Recommended Reads. So, um, I dug I dug into my, my archives, aka my Goodreads backlist for this, and I came up with a few things um, that I can recommend. Um, this book had a bunch of different just kind of fun themes that you could plot. One of them was if you liked the um, kind of widower um, slash widow finding love again, like kind of re, um, not re anything, remarrying, I get whatever. Yeah. I <laughs> finding love a second time. Oh my gosh. It's been a long day, guys. Um, I recommend Montana Rose by Mary Keneally. Mm-hmm. Um, we read a Mary Keneally book in season one and we didn't necessarily love that book, but I do love her as an author. So Montana Rose by Mary Keneally has a, um, a really kind of fun, I think the woman is widowed, um, in that one and finds, uh, someone. And actually I think he's like working on her ranch, like helping her with stuff on a ranch, like a similar, a similar vibe to that. In Montana. Exactly. Montana oh, Rose. Wow. Um, a three for three <laughs> the um this is like a super and all of well I shouldn't say all the two Stephen Bly books that I've read so far have been very rompy like just kind of like rompy fun old west so if you're here for that kind of um madcap something's happening all the time it's kind of crazy um still western this is a modern day western um but it has that like fun madcap rompy feel and that's Calamity Jane Jane is spelled J-A-Y-N-E by Kathleen Backus. Hmm. This is actually the first in a um, kind of like a cozy mystery series about um, this woman who is just trying to make her way in the world, forge her own path, defy like family stuff that she's had put on her. And so she like has a bunch of different random jobs. She's always doing something crazy, but they're really madcap and fun. Um, and they are, they have a Western feel to them so that's that one and then the last one um in this book they talked a lot about we touched on it a smidge but they talked a ton marquesa specifically talked a ton about um like fashion like clothes she was always talking about her clothes she mm -hmm. she felt like she had to wear like these high-necked dresses i guess instead of more comfortable clothes that she used to wear like acting in 
which is kind of funny. But um, so she would like talk a lot about clothes. There were like descriptions of some of her favorite outfits, blah, 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 blah. So I um, wanted to recommend a Western that is kind of has a strong fashion element. I fear I always find that interesting in books. So recommending A Tailor-Made Bride by Karen Wittemeyer. It's been a long time since I've read that, but it was fun. And I've it has a lot of, like, kind of fashion elements in it. And sh- and it's also like a grumpy sunshine romance. If you like grumpy sunshine, the guy's a grump. The girl is a sunshine. And they eventually get together. So <laughs> those are my recommendations. I love that re- recommendation. Also, I was literally about to ask, what is grumpy sunshine? And I'm so glad that <laughs> I figured you were. <laughs> so, she <laughs> so she clarified. That's amazing. Such good recommendations. And we'll post links to all those um, in our stories when the episode's out. Okay. Love that. Thank you, Morgan. Okay. Moving on here. Odette's relevant research. That's right. It's I'm Odette, and this is my relevant research. So there's a lot of ways <laughs> that I could have gone for this. But um, I did... A couple of different things. Um, one, because I feel like this, I'm really, really, really loving doing multiple books in the same theme because it gives us a chance to like explore different, like for me from a research side, like different things and like compare kind of the timelines. Um, so one of the things um, <clears throat> I kind of wanted to start with, I have a, a lot to, to, to cover here, um, was um, Ma- Montana. So I talked a lot about the history of Montana um, in this book because I think that because at the time, if I remember correctly, it was a territory. It wasn't actually a state um, in, in the book itself. So I wanted to just talk a little bit about the history of Montana. <clears throat> so the United States acquired the territory, including Montana, through the Louisiana Purchase of 1803. The first non-Native American explorers to have set foot in Montana were the members of the Lewis and Clark Expedition, 1804 to 1806. Fur trappers and traders followed, setting up forests to trade with the Native Americans. The only early trading post to survive as a present-day town is Fort Fenton, which was established in 1846 and became an important port on the Missouri River. Uh, Roman Catholic missionaries followed the fur traders and in 1841 established St. Mary's Mission during the present-day Stevensville and believed to be the first permanent settlement in Montana. Trailblazers carved out the northern overland route to Montana from the east and the Bozeman Trail from the southeast and the Mullen Road westward from Fort Benton ahead of the navigation for steamboats on the Missouri. Gold prospectors flocked in after rich, rich placer deposits were discovered in the early 1960s. Eager to secure the area and its mineral wealth with the Union, the federal government established the Montana Tor- Territory in 1864 with Bannock on Grasshopper Creek as its first capital and Virginia City in Alder Gulch Gulch as its second. So this kind of a quick short history of uh, the Montana Territory. And I thought it was interesting because indeed there was a gold rush in Montana. Yeah, yeah, because you don't normally think of that area as. Um, Okay, so the other thing I wanted to talk about was um, women during the Old West time. There's a component that the way Stephen Bly, as we mentioned at the top of this episode, portrays women, it's very, very much a, like, I'm independent, I've been through a lot, I've come through, you know, 
uh, a journey of life and I'm here and I'm not afraid to stand my ground. Um, so just wanted to, to bring up a couple of things. Um, this is from a blog that, that's called Outlaws, Adventurers, Women Old West, um, in the Old West. So um, the lawlessness of the West meant that while women had less uh, lawful protection, they were also not tightly held down by strict social rules like their Victorian counterparts. They could be prostitutes and, and brothel madams, yes, but they could also be gunslingers, bounty hunters, and business owners. Women could nice. leave their house and strike it on their own, divorce their husbands, or hunt down thieves. They could even live their entire lives as men without anyone knowing, as was the case with Charlotte, Charlie Parker. In the West, women had way more rights and were way more able to do things that because there wasn't as much proprietariness of women that like you could basically be kind of whoever you wanted as a woman. Interesting. Okay, so moving on here, um, want to talk a little bit about um, how much was 50 cents worth in 1876? Oh. Did you ever think about that? Sometimes. I mean, <laughs> tell me, I'm very curious. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. Why specifically 50 cents? Uh, I don't know, it's the article I found because I was looking at oh, kind of how much okay. people made <laughs> in the Old West. <laughs> and the article has a picture of the 50 cent. <laughs> um, okay. So what did 50 cents mean in terms of a paid salary to a cowboy? It's relatively safe to say that at the time, the quote average cowboy made about $30 a month. Wranglers would pull down 20 to $30 top hands, 50 to 75, the trail boss say about a hundred. So spending a half dollar would be about equal to spending a half day's wage. So okay. you can see that if you made $30 a month, spending 50 cents was something. Right. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> they worked for, uh, six days a week from 7am to 6pm. So there was a lot of, a lot of things that, that these people were doing, um, in the old West times. Um, if you were thinking to yourself, how much did stuff cost back then? Uh, flour, half barrel, $2 and 50 cents. Uh, piano could be 180 to $300. This is a very random list. Um, hotel rooms, one to $2 a night. <clears throat> Um, if you're looking for, um, some dinner knives, $3 a dozen. <laughs> How about some cashmere pants? $3. Huh. <laughs> this is literally the most random one. Give us a couple more. <laughs> okay. Good pair of cowboy boots, $25. Good saddle. $25? Almost, a, uh, almost for one pair of boots. A month. Once yeah. They just... Think how much like a good quality pair of cowboy boots are now, though. Still, yeah, not a month's wage. Mm -hmm. no, that's true. Unless you're buying some kind of expensive cowboy boots that are like snakeskin or something. Um, Could be like a paycheck, though. Yeah, I guess that that's, that's true. true. <laughs> um, so then, a good saddle, twenty-five dollars to seventy-five dollars, depending on the saddle. Good cowboy hat, ten to twenty dollars. Man, I mean, you to outfit yourself, you're gonna have to and show out. The boots because they're outside all the time, so you have to have good quality stuff. That's true. Yeah, I bet you also bought them and wore them for years because you would probably go to the oh, cobbler sure. and get them fixed. So they were probably oh, sure. the equivalent, not really, but of a car in a way of like, oh, I'm investing in this thing to get me where I need to go. That's yeah. true. Yeah, for sure. Especially like a saddle. <laughs> Surely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So 
I'm going to end. I have a lot more that I could cover. Um, but if, for the sake of time, I'm going to end on something very different um, than what I kind of started with. So okay. um, throughout the book, the Marquesa, um, the song um, Amazing Grace is mentioned. And at one point when she's in the jail and Madeline mentioned that she's kind of having an encounter with the Holy Spirit and she sings Amazing Grace. So I wanted to know the history of it um, as a song and kind of, this is such a, such a departure from my earlier research. I love it. Um, <laughs> all over the place. I should have given a, a disclaimer. Um, so, um, I'm going to read kind of the history of the story behind the song, Amazing Grace. It was December 1772 in Ely, England. At the age of 47, John Newton began writing a hymn that would grow increasingly more popular over the next 349 years. In his song, Amazing Grace, Newton writes about a grace that is immense. He writes about an amazing grace, one that saved him out of his wretchedness. But looking within the hymn, Amazing Grace, one is able to understand a little bit about Newton's personal conversion. Although every person's story is, a conversion story is unique. There's something about this hymn that makes it relatable to uh, Christians everywhere. <clears throat> Newton discusses that when he found God, or rather, when God found him, he was a wretch. He was lost. He was blind in sin. Um, <clears throat> Newton grew up in both um, with both his mother and father. However, his mother died while his father was away at sea. Newton's father re re remarried, and, a and the couple had another child. Following his father's footsteps, Newton began his life's career by searching throughout the African coast for slaves to capture and eventually sell for profit. On one journey, Newton and his crew encountered a storm that swept some of his men overboard and left others with the likelihood of drowning. With both hands fastened on the wheel of the boat, Newton cried out to God, saying, Lord, have mercy on us. Eleven hours of steering, the remainder of the crew found safely within the calm of the storm. From then on, uh, Newton dated March 21st as a day to set aside for the time of prayer. Uh, uh, humility, uh, prayer, and praise. Um, upon arriving sa safely home, Newton did not venture out to seek more slaves. Instead, he began to learn Hebrew and Greek. Uh, he occasionally accepted requests to speak about his conversion in front of various congregations. He was eventually ordained and began to lead his own church. And then from that kind of conversion is how he wrote Amazing Grace. Isn't that great? That's awesome. I love that story. And I just will have a small rabbit trail to that story. Oh, if you are interested, if you may have heard that story before, because it's a famous hymn. If you are interested, if that was like, wow, that's amazing, pun intended. Um, <laughs> there is a movie also entitled Amazing Grace. Um, and it's about the story of Will William Wilberforce mm -hmm. um, and his fight to abolish the slave trade in England, but it features, um, uh, uh, I don't remember the actor who plays him, but it features, um, uh, what'd you just say his name was? Newton? John Newton. John, John Newton. Newton. He's in the film. He has a role in the film. Um, and it's interesting the way like him and Will, in the film, I don't know if this was like it in real, this is how it was in real life, but it, it has this, him and William, William, William Wilberforce have these interactions in an interesting way. Um, so I highly recommend that movie. It's very good. Yeah, that's so great. I knew that there was a story to it, but I literally couldn't remember. And I, as I was reading, I was like, because it's just such a moving scene in the book where she's literally singing. Oh, she yes. remembers a song from childhood. 
And it's this universal song. I feel like everywhere you go, if you started singing Amazing Grace, someone would probably know it, even if they're not saved. And so it was just a very powerful scene and it's a great song. And to this day, 300 plus years later, here we are still, uh, still singing. Everyone can sing it. (laughs) Everyone can sing it. Amazing, amazing. All righty. Well, that is all the relevant research that I have. I could, I could find more. (laughs) We're going to move on to our most beloved segment. The Swoon Scale. The Swoon Scale. The Swoon Scale. That's right. We are here to talk about the swooniness of the book, the characters, and the story itself. And our Swoon Scale, for listeners who know and those who do not know, you're about to know, is our Swoon Scale is on the scale of zero to Colin Firth in a wet shirt from the 1995 Pride and Classic where he comes out of the pond in a wet shirt. How swoony is this book? So Morgan, would you like to talk about our category for Swoon Scale, this book? Sure. We chose for our subcategory of our Swoon Scale, we chose um, Old West Careers, which is careers that you probably don't see as much anymore, but that were very prevalent, 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 prevalent. Who wants to go first? I'm so excited to hear what you guys picked for this. (laughs) No, I'll go first. So I picked. Okay. I'm like switching up. Okay, so I thought this book was pretty swoony. I really loved the captain, and I loved him and Marquesa's interactions. I loved like the kind of miscommunication that happened where he's like oh I'm courting you and she's like I thought you were married this whole time like all of it I really did like a lot I thought he was really like honorable and sweet and I love the fact that he had like kids there's just a lot of elements to it so I really thought it was quite swingy so the career that I chose was blacksmith okay <laughs> so I blacksmith, I'm sure there's there's obviously blacksmith still but there's a lot of them in the old west because you've got to shoe the horses and dude they didn't have machines for anything like these guys were just the bellows and doing the job with the bellows. Um, so i have a little bit of a we've talked about this before but <laughs> a little bit of like a soft spot for like careers where the guys in there are getting his hands dirty you know like i'm into it so blacksmith is that I feel like I've said too much. I should also feel like I should say here that Morgan's husband is an electrician, so it kind of makes sense. Wait, what? Say it again. Your husband's an electrician, so it makes sense. Yes, exactly. My husband is an electrician. Um, but yeah, so something about that is a little bit like a guy who can like who knows his like craft and can do something and fix things, that's like very attractive. And so this book was pretty spoony for me. And so I think nice. that's why I picked the blacksmith. That was better to say. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Madeline, can I go next? <laughs> yeah, go. <laughs> oh, no shocker here. Um, I chose a lawman <laughs> because I thought this book was very spoony. And to me, I was like, there's something about the captain. So Madeline and I actually were texting about this because of our love of Del Norte last season. Um, and <laughs> I thought Captain uh, Mandero was just as spoony, if not a little bit more than oh. because I feel like there's something about the 
Like, but also I still think don't, don't, so I can't really, they're both swoony in different ways. So maybe, it, maybe I need to don't make her choose. Don't make her choose. How dare you make her choose? I would never make you choose. <laughs> Um, but there, the reason why I think there's some components of this is because it feels like there's this dynamic of the captain that has this like toe the line because all the research I did into lawmen, it was very, very common for the line of outlaw versus lawmen to be blurred. And a lot of times like lawmen would become outlaws because they got like kind of jaded toward things or the outlaw would actually become the good guy. And so it was kind of this, this kind of song and dance. And so I think that for me, I feel like the tension that uh, Marquesa feels about the captain that she's not sure. And she's like, wait, are you, wait, I'm not sure. I, you're just my builder, you know? And it was very sweet. I also love how quippy they were. And like, they just like synced from, from, from the beginning, even when they were mad at each other, it was like a flirtatious mad. Um, and so it was one of those things where it was delightful. And I thought it was so swoony. Um, the captain is a VV swoony um, male character. And so in my mind, I think you can't get much swoonier than a lawman in the old West. Let me just paint you a word picture here. Picture an old West town okay. and okay. you hear the sounds of the saloon door opening, closing, and out walks the lawman when there's a ruckus in town. Name me something swoonier than that moment. You're like, he's here to David. We don't know if we can other than black first in a wet shirt. Also, I mean, here's the the thing. Like, you know that the blacksmith and the lawman would be padre, like be friends and like <clears throat> compadres and like you know, both go I, I almost said padres. And I was like, that's <laughs> compadres and then they spend town together so because there's something about like in that time it was like there was a very clear definition that someone who was in control similarly to morgan said like that i thought the captain was like and their love story which is very sweet but also kind of a little bit messy and i feel like that's kind of how the law was back then so anyways i thought it was sweet what about oh no i'm so excited right now Mine's gonna mine's gonna have a weird disclaimer on it, but <laughs> okay. I picked um I also thought this book was very spoony. Um this the Captain Mandera is an extremely well written character. Yes. And I think I think <clears throat> for me personally, his character was swoonier swoonier than Del Norte because we got more of Captain Mandera's backstory, yes. which made you like him even more. Absolutely. Um, so I the career I picked oh no, is an Indian agent. A what? What? A what? An Indian agent. But let me give a disclaimer because I don't actually know. Okay. The what? Indian agent that I'm specifically thinking of is solely from Dr. Quinn Medicine. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's the only, my only, um, uh, a modern day understanding of an Indian agent is <laughs> Sully's okay. character from Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. Um, if you know, you know. <clears throat> so also very swoony. So I'm my disclaimer is I don't actually know a lot necessarily about Indian agents. I know that like pre-18, pre-Civil War, they were kind of appointed by the government. And mm -hmm. that wasn't a great thing because it kind of got corrupt and they were just 
trying to make money off of anyone they could make money off of. And then post civil war, it was kind of like they were appointed by local churches. So then it became more of a um, conversion thing and less of a trade thing. Um, A a famous Indian agent uh, is the character Reverend Alden from uh, Little House on the Prairie. Oh, okay. Agent. So oftentimes, like post Civil War, Indian agents would have also been like reverence. <clears throat> so I don't really know historically whether I'm not taking a side here about whether they were doing good things or whether they were doing bad things. But the idea of um, somebody who I'm just gonna in my my idea of an Indian agent is what Sally was doing in Doctor Quinn Medicine Woman, and he was definitely standing up for people who didn't have a voice and um, coming in to situations where like people immediately wanted to judge a group Mm -hmm. of people, the Indians for the way they did things. And Sully instead wanted to understand them and get to know them and be their advocate and be their friend. Um, And I think that Captain Mandara did a lot of that too. He was kind of like, especially, I mean, like he had this thing, this justice thing on him. Um, they even wanted to appoint him as like the um, the mayor of the town because he had this kind of like justice thing on him, standing up for people who didn't have a voice, standing up for like women who were vulnerable um, and um, not quick to judge. That's my, that's my parallel. <laughs> so don't take me literally historically here. I'm just thinking about Sully from Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. <laughs> That's fair. Well, and if you think about it, part of it was that um, the Marquesa, as she got to know the captain, it was like a mystery to her because she wasn't used to men being like genuine. She was used to men like using her. And that was really the time. It's like I kind of mentioned some of my research is like women were very accustomed to men like, you know, they were independent, but men would also just kind of like use and <clears throat> it was just, it was just a different time and it was the lawless West and old West. So I think that that makes perfect sense, Madeline. So awesome. Wow. Well, to round out this episode, let's talk about, um, do you want to do highs and lows first and then God factor? Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, I'll go first. Cause I'm already talking. <laughs> <laughs> Keep this going. Um, so one of my highs of this book or highlights was the back and forth. I love it. It was so good from the beginning. And that is one thing that Stephen Bly does so well is the back and forth and the drama, the intrigue hooks you from the beginning and you're like immediately dropped drop from the story. Highlight. Um, a little bit of a low point for me was, and I understand it was part of the story, was the way the Marquesa would at times seem like she was trying to get the captain's attention when she still thought he was married. That's a little bit like, eh, red flag. I mean, you know he's not, but she doesn't know that, you know? So it's kind of that that tension point of, but I do think Stephen Bly did a really good job in it of towing the line that you didn't feel like they were, he was cheating, you know, or she didn't think he was, you know, and kind of that, 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 that balance, um, in that. But for me, some of that was like, but then I was like, that's kind of the reality of being a woman sometimes where it's like, you're going to have these conflicting thoughts and you're going to have to wrestle with sometimes the, um, attention that you get, you know, for something, you know, so it's like, and not that men don't wrestle with that, but I only know it from my own womanly experience. So, um, yeah, but I thought that, that that to me 
I would say it's like a mid low. It was like, I know it had to be there, but I didn't really love that because, uh, you know, I actually couldn't, couldn't remember because I haven't read this book in probably 20 years. So I couldn't remember, but I was like, Stephen Blatty doesn't write books about cheaters. So I was like, there's no meaning that, that like she would do things that, yeah. that would, you know, cause she didn't know that he wasn't uh, right. his widower. So anyways, yeah, that was mine. What about you ladies? Um, so mine was, uh, I had for my pros, I had, um, or highs rather, I said, I love Marquesa's constant complaining about clothes. <laughs> and so I think that goes back to what I say. I wrote that right after I read it and I read it like a week ago. So part of me like, <laughs> um, I think it's just, again, because it was funny. Like she was mm-hmm. just like, oh, this neck is so itchy and it's so such a high neck. Why do I always have to wear this? And she was just like, it was just kind of funny to mm-hmm. me. Um, and... <clears throat> yeah, I think that was so I was just like it's like a high point of the book was how much that element of it made me laugh I guess <laughs> and then for cons I've I feel really bad saying this now after everything that has happened one of the cons that I had and I was forgetting about it whenever I was talking about my star ratings but this definitely dropped it down some for me was all of her thoughts on the page <laughs> oh my gosh you and Meg <laughs> You and review Morgan wrote that actually. Her first her name is Meg. She writes scathing book reviews. No. <laughs> I um, it felt to me, it just kind of felt a little bit like clunky, like the way it was written. Although now, hearing Madeline say that she really identified with it, maybe it wasn't clunky. So I don't know. Like that was in my head. I was like, nobody thinks like that, but Madeline said she does. So then, well. But here's here's something to add is I didn't read this book. I listened oh, to it. Oh, okay. That's I did true. not read the book. I only got it on audiobook. Okay. So on audiobook, it's delightful because okay. you're getting you it it's all it's yeah. So I maybe reading it on the page, I would have felt differently, like, oh, this is this feels weird. Yeah. It felt just because they were it, like, it, it was like sentences. That actually makes a lot of sense. Because to me it felt clunky, but I did read it physically. And so I was like, what? Like, it was just, and it was like, almost as if it would like take you out of the story a little bit. You're just like, whoa, Mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. So I personally didn't love that, but in audio, obviously it's different. So that, that makes a lot of sense. And then the other thing that I had is the fact that she thought he was married so long. Why did she still want him? If she genuinely is like, this man is married, but he's been coming on to me for this entire book. And she was still kind of like into it. Also, how hard is it to say, are you still married? (laughs) Why why are you flirting with me so much? How does your wife feel about how badly you flirt with me? (laughs) I've had that on the record, and I've said this before. Like, it is never a bad thing to ask someone if they are in a relationship or are you married? (laughs) We learned that from the, I think there's an episode of The Office where Meredith goes, I ask everyone in the bar, are you in a relationship or married? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> advice. Um, like advice from Meredith Palmer. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay. Um, what's it's so I funny? I wanted to add to to Morgan's thing about the the thoughts is I read the book and I absolutely loved it because I felt like it filled in color where like I wouldn't have known what I was thinking, but the whole time I kept thinking, when am I going to hear? 
like the captain's um, inner thoughts and perspective, but that's not what Stephen Bly does because he didn't do that with Del Norte yeah. either. So there was a part of it that I was like, oh, right. Like I was halfway through the book and I was like, man, I really want to know what the captain's thinking, but that's not how you wrote the book. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Do you imagine if it was double Morgan, like double thoughts? That might've lit more perspective. I, it just felt really clunky to me, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Teach their own. I still like the book a lot. Yeah. And I also feel like that was one of the things that I really liked about the outlaws twin sister was <clears throat> all of Juliana's like, thought processing out and like how it was all of her thoughts were just all of her prayers were coming just like in her thoughts so she was just constantly having like this dialogue with god and that was one of the things that i really liked about the outlaws twin sister so i think maybe just that his style of writing i just liked that maybe because i appreciated it this time around too um yeah that that was a high for me actually um the subtext that you get on the page um, maybe I'm an actor, so I too love subtext. <laughs> I live for subtext. Um, and oh gosh, I loved the whole scene. We didn't talk about it at all, but the whole scene where she's having dinner with that well, lieutenant guy, and you get this whole story about this whole uh, background for Captain Mandera, and it's amazing so powerful that's probably one of my favorite moments from the book um and then just the fact that she's an actress and she just like quotes random lines from plays in her ed all the time very (laughs) relatable i also do that That (laughs) um i think uh something that i didn't love um I, I think just reading it as a in it's in the mid it's a middle the middle book in a three part series mm. because I was thinking the whole time why haven't I met Caroline and Ranahan Park yeah. well you met them in the first book right and why are we talking about Miss Fontenot she has nothing to do with this well it's the third book yeah but they're not I can't really even say that's annoying because it's just like well you chose to just read this one you could have read right. yeah yeah i would recommend that you ladies go back and read caroline's story so it the way her and the marquesa meet is delightful um Mm. and it's one of those like they're either going to be friends or enemies and you think they're going to be enemies but then they 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 forge friendship and it's delightful so i would recommend um this one it's it's funny because we did the same thing with stephen Bly's, where it's like we chose a book in the middle of the series but then it kind of (laughs) But there's also a component that I feel like he does a good job of like explaining certain things that even if you read the first one, it's still valuable, you know, and if you haven't, you know, you still can kind of get a a picture of who the other characters are. So let's wrap this up, ladies, real quick with our God factor. Yes, let's do it. Um, Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, Oh, I was going to say I was going to offer for Madeline to go first, but you go, Morgan. You you go. Oh, okay. Um, So I have here. Um, God works on our mess and nobody's perfect. I just really liked that it highlighted the kind of imperfections of the main character, but it was not like, like it was all redeemable. Like she mm-hmm. lived this life that was, you know, maybe a little bit like frowned upon or kind of like looked down on by some groups, but God works with us right wherever whatever our mess looks like wherever our mess is 
God will come in and work with that um, if we ask him to. And mm-hmm. I thought that, that was portrayed beautifully. Like she wasn't perfect. Um, and uh, also just the community that surrounded her embraced her as well. Like that kind of found family aspect, I think is really a beautiful picture of, um, of God's grace in any given situation. Um, yeah, that was mine. <clears throat> um, I think mine was actually just kind of what you talked about, Morgan, in your highs and lows is this idea of like her struggle with these thought patterns <clears throat> that were normal to her before she became a Christian, <clears throat> like really. And then like her, how they carried over then and how she kind of has these dialogues with herself and with God where she's like, I still have feelings for this married man. Like, shouldn't I be done with that now? Like, shouldn't I not ha- deal with that anymore? Like I I'm trusting Jesus now. <laughs> like the reality of like, no, we we're not a slave to sin anymore. It's not our master, but we still have to um, conquer it on a daily basis. Like we still have to. Mm-hmm. And I really liked that because um, a lot of times it can just be like conversion experience and everything's wonderful daisies and happiness. But the reality is no, you're no longer, you are no longer slave to sin, but yes, you still have to say no to it every single day of your life for the rest of your life. So I thought that was powerful. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Really good. Um, both, I, th- I think, are really good points. I think the the one thing that I took away as kind of the God factor is it's probably similar a little bit to where Morgan is, but God is there in our mess. And I think that sometimes for each of us, we can have moments where we feel like we're at the end and we need to remember that we can trust God for those of us who are already saved. But then some of us, like when she was in jail, it was a terrible situation. And yeah, she knew that Captain Madeira was going to help her, but like there's a reality to that, like, she had to rely on God and she was at a place where it's like, and to me, I also think about the context. The old West was not picturesque. It was not, it smelled, there were the whole thing. Like it was just not something where it was like cushy. It was not a cushy life. And so for her to be in a situation that she deemed like over the top, you know, and like too much and like at the low end, you know, and like here I am in jail and I can't even sit on the bed because it's lice infested and I can't use blankets and all this stuff. But yet she like found God is the reminder that even in those moments where we feel trapped and where we feel like there's no way out and we can't do it on our own, we kind of remember, but God. Um, and even the simple ways of, you know, amazing grace is that kind of concept of the beauty that having that relationship, whether it's new with God or a long season friendship that you've developed over the course of your life is that, you know, he's there, you know, and all it takes is you pausing and taking a moment and recognizing that. Um, And even when she was driving in the wagon and she was like, I don't know what to do. Like I can't control this. I think it's really easy for us to get caught up in our own control and what we can and can't control. Um, and a lot of things we think we can and we truly can't. And so I think that the idea of a reminder of the fact that God is there in all of it, in the darkness, in the light, in the day, in the night, in, you know, the, the parts where we feel trapped and in prison and, you know, all those kind of things is, was, was just really good. And I feel like the way Stephen Bly gently folds God into these books as though he's a character himself is so good and it's it feels very like and I think that's why I really love his book is because it feels like if 
like if I wrote a story about myself in the old west like that's how I would view God do you know what I'm saying like that's how I would it would be like well okay I don't know what to do um well that that's unfortunate well God like and like that that kind of like especially when when she becomes saved she kind of has that like ongoing dialogue with God and even she's like praying um before the kids come of like well thank you God you know that that the liker so really really good and I thought that was beautiful so yeah that's awesome yeah really good there's a lot of good moments in it so such a good book highly recommend yeah um fantastic so I think we're I think our next um book episode Mm -hmm. is um the final book in this I think the final book if we decide who knows we're loose cannons (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I think slated to be the final book in this theme, our uh, historical fiction theme, and that is All That Is Secret. Yes. By Patricia Rabin. Rabon? Rabon. Yeah, or Rabin. Patricia Rabin. We'll TBD on that. We'll we'll find out by next episode. <laughs> yes. As yeah. of now, that's what's slated. <laughs> that's what's slated. No, I meant more the pronunciation, but also you'll oh, find oh, out. Oh, the pronunciation. <laughs> yeah, that too. We'll on that too. Yeah. TBD. <laughs> we like to keep things a little bit lawless. We make our own rules. Du Bois. Du Bois. Oh, well, this was such a fun book. Delightful. I hope you, you read it. And if you don't read this one by Stephen Bly, definitely read some of his other books. Could not recommend mm-hmm. them enough. Um, yeah. And, uh, thanks for coming along on this journey with us as we travel back to the old West and hearken days of old. We'll see you next time. (laughs) Thanks guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Follow us on Instagram at Redeeming Lit Podcast and be sure to subscribe on Apple or Spotify so you don't miss any episodes. If you have any questions or book recommendations, email us at redeeminglitpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, keep keep it lit. lit!